slamming onto your screens. This is G.I. Joe Book, episode 299. My name is Stephen, and I'm not alone. I've brought with me my longest, oldest friend. Hello, Rob. Long, old friend. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm long and an old. <laughs> it's me, Rob. Yeah. And you're my oldest, uh, uh, biggest friend, I guess. <laughs> biggest? Hey. Hey. You do. Put me on the spring box. <laughs> um, we are one Aries man short. Friend, <laughs> <laughs> We're one man short on this podcast. Paul is uh, currently in the throes of buying his first house, which is a stressful enough thing uh, to anyone, but even more mm -hmm. so if you are a freelancer, uh, because the whole time you're thinking, how the hell did I just con the bank into giving me that much money? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not employed by anyone. Um, so yes, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's walking on eggshells, he's shifting things around, and he can't be worried. I imagine it's a it. very stressful period. Like he just, he just wants to get it done, get it finished, mm -hmm. and then he can relax and, and get ready for Comic-Con Africa. <laughs> True. Are you excited, Rob? That's coming up on the I, calendar pretty soon. I'm very excited. Um, it, it looks like it'll be a very fun event. I'm excited to go to Joburg to see Paul. He's also, uh, I think I'll probably get involved with his other project, Gunfly SA, and, and hopefully join a, a, a build a build meet or build force evening or something. When so was the last time you built some Gundam, Robbie? I built some, well, when Paul was down here, actually, I bought a couple of um, yeah. SD Gundam. They, they look like chibi Gundam. They're very easy to build. You just chop them off the thing, you duck, 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 and they little, little cute dudes. <laughs> cute I, I think I've got a horse or, or a dragon or something, and like a dude to ride on it. <laughs> oh, cool. A Gundam yeah. dragon? It's apparently. It's, it's from one of the, the, the Gundam series. Does it motivate know. you to watch any more anime? Or you're like, nah, I'm okay. I like toys. <laughs> I think I, I will eventually get around to watching more Gundam. I mean, I did watch a very good one called Hell's Paradise. Um, mm which ends on a, a big cliffhanger. And I'm like, oh, I need to keep watching. Thankfully, the manga is finished. I can read it and finish it. Um, so I'm not sitting and waiting. Um, is that more your speed, reading rather than watching the tune? I would rather watch it because I think, especially this sort of series, it's the motion and the movement that's interesting uh, and makes, you know, because it's, it's these, these powerful characters like Ninja and other they things. they transferred into together. making the, the suits uh, CG to assist with the animation? I think some of the series, some of the series do use CG, um, mm. but very either sparingly or they use it well enough that you don't notice so much of the CG. I know yeah, some of the series too. have done that. I, I believe they have Paul. Paul, if he was here, be able to tell us more. Um, but CG still doesn't look good. Like it's yes. it's not at that level where well, it can compete. It's not with seamless. The the three D model good. doesn't sell like the cell shaded. Uh, yeah, it it really doesn't look as well. Uh, as or as good, so I'm, I'm glad at least. Um, anime the Japanese are keeping the 2D animation alive. Well, I am getting flashbacks of G.I. Joe Sigma 6 and mm. the Transformers series of the time, like Energon <clears throat> and whatnot, because you know, all the kind of vehicle modes and the robot modes in, in, in Transformers were, were 3D models. That was all Studio yeah. Gonzo, was it? Anyway, um. Paul says he might actually join us, so surprise, surprise. Whoa. But let's do a shout out to the guys in the chats. Hell yeah. It's Christoph, it's Spoonkiller, it's Brick Fiction, Bob Squad, Fred Woodworth. Alpex, much of you, Fred. Uh, Peter Moline is in the chats. Yeah, we got Alpex, Stu, we got Draws. Uh, Christoph is in. 
<laughs> he's in Facebook and in YouTube. This man's he's hey. everywhere. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, Facebook user. I, I, I possibly have a sneaking suspicion who that is, but uh, uh, drop your name if you want to be uh, to be to be known. Uh, we'll say hi. Um, and Emmanuel, hello, hello. So hello. if my setting looks a little bit strange and haphazard, this sort of ramshackle shelf of G.I. Joe stuff behind me, it's because I am now in my garage. My computer is perched <laughs> in the boot of my car or the trunk, if you prefer. Wow. Um, yeah, because my mother-in-law is visiting. Um, and she, yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. Hey, at least I got maggots up there. That's a cool, like, crown. Ooh above my head um but yeah my mother-in-law is here she's using the spare room slash study so i am in here with you fine folk and i couldn't be happier in fact my collection has a bit more room to breathe um but you know who else has some breathing room at long last paul hello buddy oh too soon too soon oh he shouldn't he shouldn't have made his camera live anyways the beauties of <laughs> podcasting he can add himself when he's ready um, we're going to talk reproduction toys in this episode, and that's encompassing the gamut of repro labels and then repro parts, and then ultimately reproduction figures or bootleg figures, if you were, which are getting better and better and better. However, they are still stealing an IP uh, without permission which could be very, very definition of stealing. So we are going to get into the nuts and bolts, the, the good, the bad, the ugly of this trend, uh, something that like is enormous in the Transformers world is also similarly enormous in the Star Wars world and is now starting to really gain momentum in the G.I. Joe world thanks to third-party producers like Black Major, thanks to the Toy Hacks crowd with their label sheets, thanks to... A bag of repro parts that I recently got. So I've got some mm -hmm. first-hand knowledge of how these things stack up against the originals. So for those who don't understand repro, what is what does repro mean? What 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 is the what does that mean? Hello, Paul. He's back. Now this time Whoa. prepared. Hey, I was about to go. give the the definition of reproduction parts, but uh, we'll take a quick sidetrack let's say hey to paul begin with mr deadly pencils how are you on this fine evening Whoa. sir i am good load shedding Hell just yeah. kicked in <laughs> nice um, around the door. sorry i didn't want to mention load shedding and it's just been a nice it's actually been a nice day it's been cool um also i know this is all about repro parts but i suspect we will be talking some comics at some point oh yeah oh, absolutely we are mentioning the agenda first we're hitting repro first. But now that you are here, we have Ooh. a trio. And trios are good for one thing, and that's breaking a deadlock. We have <laughs> um, we have a little bit of a, a YouTube poll and Facebook poll and Twitter poll, three polls that we opened this last week on the subject of the demon, Destro's demon. <laughs> Do you know it? Oh, God, tank. yes. Weird tank, black yeah. tank that sort of raises up. It's very gorgeous very, gold parts. Yum, yum. Very wide and, and not very deep. Uh, <laughs> like, kind of like me. Um, <laughs> not as not, hairy. Not, not really. Um, not as demonic. Uh, anyway, the tank has a bit of a controversy in that you have 
several options as to where you want to place your labels. There's a Destro uh, sort of in faction insignia marking, and then there's the actual kind of demon uh, markings, the sort of the, the unique um, mascot, if you would call it that, of the vehicle, which is a kind of a, a dragon, a red coiled dragon. I'm going to get all 3D Joes up on the screen so you guys can get a grip on the controversy as it stands. So we have the box art, and the labels are placed on the upper surface of the tank. Mm -hmm. We also have the box back, and the labels are placed also, once again, on the upper surface of the tank. Interesting. So the artwork that they produced, as well as the pictures they took of the toys, match up. Yes. Yeah. Then we get a little bit further down, and we see that in the blueprints... Oh, what do you fellas see? Uh-oh. They suggest you place it at the bottom. Mm. Oh, no. Somebody got so, fired at Hasbro that day. <laughs> well, the controversy has reigned to the extent that on 3djoes.com, everyone's sort of Bible for getting the best images of these vehicles. We've got the gorgeous Chad Hukal pictures with the stickers on the bottom surface. Hmm. As and per the then manual. we've got the 3D spin pictures with kind of a mishmash. <laughs> some on the top, As per the, the manual. Bottom. As yeah. per the manual. Right. Mm. So my question to you, gents, which is your preference? Whew, it's tough. I think I'd probably go with the artwork. I mean, those guys knocked it out of the park. I mean, the packaging itself shows you kind of like a better view of what the thing looks like. I think the the blueprints just kind of like say, put it over here. The I, I take two out of three, you know, 66% agreement over this. <laughs> the, the, the problem, of course, though, is you've got either you like having the giant Destro symbol on the sort of the transparent red piece, mm. you know, the driver's kind of, I don't know, viewport, or that seems like a bit of a visual interruption. Paul, what would you say? I like it on the top. Everything about it being on the bottom makes a whole lot of sense, but I just like it on the top. It looks cool. Mm. Yeah, like, I know why it's like that on the artwork. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just brought up. Yeah, yeah, on the artwork it makes sense because you can see it. While while, yes, while having yeah. position at the bottom, it's it's not as visible. But obviously, the way that the tank kind of pushes up, it it does become more visible at the bottom. Or yeah, no. it actually makes no real difference before there. it drives over you. Yeah, you feel like, yeah, oh, exactly. it's You're like, oh, it's Destro. <laughs> yeah, from from the 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 person playing with the toys perspective, you see it better at the top. But if you were to put yourself in the the POV Position of troops, driver, troops yeah. trying to defeat this this menacing thing, um, you're going to see it more prominently at the bottom. The tail of the tape, the pole, was pretty tight. You guys are both voting for the upper surfaces. Well, it makes yeah, me wish you kind of weighed in on all of our platforms. I did weigh in. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, well, no, it, it was a narrow, in. narrow contest, but uh, anyone want to guess which which won out in the end on all three platforms? I feel like the bottom, bottom did. Yeah, I'm going to say bottom because people don't want that sticker on the, the see-through surface. Because we're grown-ups now. We can't have stickers on our canopies. Exactly. Correct. I'm on the bottom one out. 52% of Twitter users or X That's users. Tight. That is tight. 55% of YouTube pollers. 
And then on Facebook, it was um, eight in favor of the lower and three in favor of the upper. So fairly tight all around. Well, as Spoonkiller says, the guy making the manual was worried about function, while the cover art was all about branding. Um, you, you can kind of see people arguing it from both points of view. You know, like the, there's there's a reason for it to be on the top or the bottom. Um, it's just interesting that, yeah, people really are split on this, it seems. Now, the reason I most specifically raise this and now is the fact that I <laughs> just got a second demon. This one's destined ah. for you, Paul. And that means on I, the have bottom. Demon, I have a demon <laughs> with the stickers on the bottom and a demon with the stickers on the top. I'm not going to tell you which uh -huh. one is which because I'm kind of now in favor of having the stickers on the bottom. I like having the uninterrupted okay. view plate. So the one I have in Cape Town has them on the top. Wow. And you say you like yeah, that. I like that. Well, now I'm in two minds. Um, <laughs> let's, see, let's, see, let's see how this uh, story unfolds. I, just, I actually have them both in hand, and I'm like, okay, you can go to Paul. You can go to Paul. I just think when I'm older, it's going to be so much nicer because I'm going to be like, what, what's that vehicle called again? Oh, it's a demon. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to bend over to look underneath. <laughs> Mate, it doesn't actually say demon anywhere. I'll have it says know. Destro. Yeah, but he'll remember. You know, oh, it's the Destro. Oh, Destro. Oh, yeah. That's what I'll remember. remember I'll get it wrong. And then Steve uh, will just know and he'll phone me and he'll be like, it's the demon, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> My know-it-all gear is tingling. Um, guys, let's talk repro. Rob, you were asking me the, the definition of reproduction. Yeah, I'm what is repro? Say, it's a third party producing uh, pass-off toys. They could pass off as official gi joe stuff mm. not to be confused with this that's produced by a first party that could be considered a pass off toy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean i'm using the term passing off it's it's more of a legal term that, than anything else but uh it's 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 it could fool a consumer into thinking it's the real thing ah but it's not just thing. entire entire fit entire toys it's it's all it also encompasses pieces of toys like accessories and Which is perhaps the most insidious part stickers. of the repro debate because it can fool you even more that you've got the whole thing, which is majority first party official release, but then mm. the tiniest little sliver of plastic, which increases the value of that toy by making it complete, happens to be reproduction. And that is... A problem if you are looking at these things as a commodity, um, as something that has value and should be traded for value, that you can get 10 times the price for a worms mm. that has his antenna that are complete than a yeah. worms without an antenna. So I received the most minuscule of parcels in the mail that I've ever received um, of reproduction parts. Did you get they a included package? A tiny package, tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny. <laughs> uh, they are. I uh, will. I'll bring up some some images for reference. They are a outback lamp. I mean, that just it was a lovely idea, but perhaps um, given the longevity of the line, they should have realized. Hang on, this thing 
will be lost in the gardens of the world because it is small, it is green, and it attaches to and a figure that is going, going to see outdoor use. I mean, it's kind mm. of baked and into the And it can't fit in his hands. Yes. Well, I but can't get it to fit in his hands. Maybe back in 1987 when the plastic was fresh, if you forced it in once, you got away with it, and, uh, and thus his thumb was always kind of wide enough to accept it. But yeah, nowadays, forget about it. And Outback I must say, a small package. <laughs> I'm very happy with <laughs> Outback's um, girthy, uh, bent member. Yeah. <laughs> it's What's not, MCD's not quite a color match, but it's good enough. And it's it fits beautifully. I don't feel like the peg is too tight, that it's going to snap if I twist it off awkwardly. But I also feel like it's not going to slide out. So this guy has made a very well-machined part. I think it's a resin cast, but either way, it's got that glossy, hardy look to it, which gorgeous. Next part, uh, not that. Um, Whoa. That was a reproduction figures, actually. Mm. I got a reproduction lenticular for my wow. building, Bat Army. The reproduction on the right, is eh? on the right, correct. Mm -hmm. the, the original is on the left. The reproduction has made the colors more vivid. Uh, maybe it's just a, a, a case of the, the original fading over time, if that's possible. The, it's probably, that's the, probably what it is, though. Is the, texture is the texture for the lenticular the same? Because I Pretty imagine much. that the... Oh, okay, because I thought maybe the one on the right had a high fidelity, like they had smaller slivers. I, smaller ridges. Yeah. yeah. I'm running my thumb over them each, and now uh, it seems like the same... Hmm. Yeah, it's just as fine and looks more vivid in the reproduction. Um, I mean, I, I hate to say it, like I, the, the original is great, but like if you want that part to really pop, stand out and, and, and make a statement, yep, you can't do better than having the reproduction. It's, it's done a very it's good also... job and made my bats look handsome again. And it's also got a nice... Um, uh, smooth, glossy sort of backing to it. So it's a quite a hard piece. It doesn't feel like it's going to curl. And it also then hmm. kind of, you can stick it in, you use your own adhesive. So you have the choice of either double-sided tape or I used a kind of a craft glue that dries clear um, just a little bit to affix it. Oh, like, a, like a Gorilla Glue kind of thing or what's El that? Elmer's uh, what's Glue the is the Elmer's name? Glue is the, is the, oh, so you used Elmer's, okay. Because that's it's, uh, yeah, what it's, internationals know. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's 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 as, as well. We have Fonal and Brett. <laughs> um, I have also on occasion used Uhu, which is the German sort of. Yeah, Uhu is also very good, or Uhu or whatever. Mm. Once again, great work. Zach Ludstick. Um, like we're going Can to I... debate the, the the sort of the morality of this, I guess, a little bit. But I just want to say, as a kind of an opening statement, that the stuff is approaching a, a standard of quality that is. <coughs> It's almost better than original. I may say well, so. also, I just want to comment on that lenticular. I've got a feeling mm. that the actual, like, like you said, um, it's possible that the original faded. I'm not like against that, but it's also highly likely that the saturation and the values of the new one are just pumped out more. Yeah, and also, printing, printing is more vivid today. It is better than it was back then. They didn't screen print those old ones. They used the I don't want to call it digital print, but they use the printing machine for that. You know, the new ones could have been just much higher quality printer. So it gets more vivid color, you know, but it looks yeah. great. I think they look amazing. 
a rare and case of things mm. being better in the future mm. as opposed to them wow. being better in 1986. Yeah. Let's talk about so. the the plastic of a third party figurine because mm. they like if you can recall early Black Major, uh, other third party bootleg toys, they were pretty janky. But flick forward to the now, and I'm finding them getting better and better. Here we mm. have a Cobra Trooper, which was gifted to me by you, Paul. Because, of course, I've never bought from Black Mage myself. I'll swear that. Technically, port. neither have I. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. this is uh, via someone else. Okay. Through a middleman. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay. So this figure, it's gorgeous. The rivets are correct for original G.I. Joe. They're not mm. reversed. So he's already mm. done away with that kind of signifier of a bootleg. Um, the, the colors are, are great. I mean, there's a little bit of paint futz on his, his mask, but it's giving us a Cobra Trooper with wonderful red accents. You know, the balaclava or the mask, the kerchief, whatever you want to call it, over his mouth and nose is picked out in red as you, we see it represented so many times in media. Um, he feels good in hand. He feels better than Hasbro's recent offerings. Closer to the original in every way. Mm. I mean, there is a slight almost touch test that you could administer and you'd probably still always, if you know Joe, you'd always pick the original over this. But uh, I mean, if I'm, to be honest, original Cobra Troopers also had a kind of a, almost a lightness to them, a kind of a clicky clacky, Mm. You know, as G.I. Joe became more refined in the later or the mid-80s, G.I. Joe kind of carved out its niches, very high quality, hard plastic. But mm. um, those, you know, those 82, 83 guys <clears throat> and this bootleg are on par with each other. So that's the figure dimension. Now here we get into where things get really controversial. Mm. Worms and his um, antenna. Antenna. Now, this is a well-molded piece from my third-party caster. It doesn't have the same flex as the original. And it's also not the same color as the helmet, which I believe the original should have. But it fits perfectly and allows me to own and complete a figure, not have a gaping hole in the side of his head mm -hmm. that I otherwise never would. I could never possibly prioritize this little piece just for my purposes. My, you know, I, I like to play with my toys. I, I don't, I'm not a completionist by any stretch. I don't have an extremely well curated collection. This fulfills my need to just look at that figure without thinking he's lacking something and certainly beats bending a piece of wire and shoving it in there. <laughs> but this, my friends, is a perfect example of something that will possibly later down the line fool someone into believing this figure is complete. And into this category, I lump heavy metal mics and hard top mics. Anytime you've got a tiny little sliver of plastic. Um, and I mean, even the value of these repro parts themselves, I, I felt quite absurd just to fill you guys in because I don't shy away from the numbers on this show. You know me. It was 1,200 Rand for a few shavings of plastic. Um, mm. So it was the, the I bought two lenticular stickers. I bought this uh, antenna. I bought uh, Outback's lamp. I bought a Sector Viper dome because my original 
I can almost remember, I can picture the day it went missing. It was in a sort of a porter pool. I played with the figure in it, <laughs> left the porter pool. And I'm pretty sure I left a little piece of clear plastic behind. And the friend's mother must have just seen that and been like, oh, it's a piece of crap. Maybe the top of a, I don't know, sunblock bottle, bottle or something. something. Yeah. Mm. Juice bottle, that's it. Pop top. Uh, anyway, and the last thing was a barbecue nozzle. This little hose, which I seldom see um, being sold as in parts lots. So oh, I went okay. repro. And that that came out the best, actually. Color matching, texture, just the smoothness of the molding. Perfection in every way. But yeah, all those teeny tiny little parts, I felt quite foolish in these cash-strapped times with this like almost 70 or 80 US dollar value with mm -hmm. shipping included. And it's hmm. like, it all fits in the palm of my hand. However, if they were original, <laughs> it'd probably be three or four or five times that. Five times so, that, yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's and, value. and also, like, you know, you're not in the market for any new Joes, so to speak. You know, you're not like, you know, you've said it a few times where you feel your collection is pretty complete. So you're not like sitting there going, oh, am I going to use 80 Rand to buy a new G.I. Joe toy? So that kind of is just bringing your other Joe toys back to life kind of thing. So, well, I laid out the pros and cons um, in, I of suppose, course you did. <laughs> some bullet points. In the pros side of things, cost, obviously. You're not laying out hundreds of dollars for a part. You're laying out $16. The guy's making mm. his end because these things are boutique and made to order almost. Mm. But still, it's, it's, it's a fly spec on what you would pay if you find finding the original. And availability is another pro because you can go to a one-stop shop. A repro guy who does a whole plethora of, of parts, you can find... Rob, I know you're looking for a scarlet crotch. He's got a scarlet crotch. Aren't we all? There you go. Um, <laughs> he's got the lenticulars. He's got a variety of things using different um, means of construction. He's got rubberized goods. He's got, uh, what's it? what did I say, resin costs. He's got paperwork. He's got repro labels. So if you want to get the mail away Duke um, sticker, the uh, <clears throat> stars and stripes, you can get there. Cool. So it's all there. You don't have to wait for these parts to become available in the aftermarket and buy them piecemeal and pay shipping on each one you mm. find. I mean, it's ironic that the week I got my barbecue nozzle and, you know, I say I never see these things pop up. I saw one, an original from a seller for $10, <laughs> but still like then the original, uh, the additional postage on that would just add up to it not being as worth it as getting the fake Rooney. And I'll be none the wiser. I mean, I will be, but it looks good. Uh, then on the con side of things, guys, uncertainty. You don't know what you're getting. It might crumble after a week. You know, you need mm. to vet these guys. The quality use of the someone, pieces, yeah. Use someone highly uh, respected or not respected. That's the wrong word. Use someone mm. that's been vetted by other users, um, someone you trust. The potential for fraud later down the line is the other massive drawback to the market being flooded with these repro parts. I mean, Star Wars has been dealing with it for a long time now because mm -hmm. those figures are the value is that much 
greater than GI Joe, but GI Joe is approaching that kind of ballpark. And these repo parts completing hard to find figures, you might know what you've got, but guys, our time on this mortal coil is obviously limited. Um, mm. We don't know the future of our collections and how they may trade hands in the, in, the, in the future. And I mean, unless you somehow mark these in a way that is clear to everyone, yeah, the likelihood of them being passed for original is, is there. And then the third and final Trump card, I suppose, and this came down to a not quite heated, but like a little bit of a YouTube, ex uh, sorry, a Facebook exchange between myself and a former Hasbro employee. Um, and I said, like, I hope Black Major is able to remain unlitigated for a while because I, I would really hate for these these beautiful designs of his to, to go away. And he was like, no, nah. uh, it's still theft. You know, intellectual mm -hmm. property theft is still theft. This guy needs to be sent a cease and desist order by Hasbro and, and shut down. So he was laying down the law and I, I, I had to agree with him at the time. You're right, sir. That is absolutely correct. Um, uh, the Ranger are upon you. For whatever reason, Hasbro <laughs> hasn't shut this guy down and we're all kind of, <clears throat> we're all enjoying the fruits of his, his ill labors. Maybe, maybe Hasbro should stop fucking around and release replacement parts for the vintage figures. But what? But they what's, won't. What's the incentive so. in that? You see, what 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 guys like this are doing? It's not affecting the current bottom line for Hasbro. Exactly. It's basically catering to a a, Niche market. a market that that doesn't exist for them to take advantage of anymore. Um, yes, they are making. They have made a couple of vintage figures remade them. <laughs> yeah but, you can call them that you know that they've, they've kind of did that but it's not to the degree that um it would that someone else reproducing these pieces um would affect their actual bottom line currently like this, this these are toys from decades ago you know it's, it's not mm, toys yeah. that are coming out right now where like someone is taking say um i don't know the Haslab uh sky striker and going oh you know here are our our versions of that well that's a bad example because that was a kickstarted thing um rather um a classified figure you know like a classified spirit like oh no one can get it because we only made it available at target or whatever but now there's mm -hmm. this guy selling knockoff spirits you know i think if someone was doing something like that that would definitely affect their their bottom line they are I want to Are bring it to everyone's oh, attention that Regal Cobra Commander, or so, sorry, Supreme Snake, Supreme, whatever, the black classified Cobra Commander. Overpriced Cobra Commander. Overpriced Cobra Commander is currently being produced knockoff style and is wow. fairly close to the original. The original is quite garish to begin with. Um, the knockoff is slightly more so. Um, some paint apps are different. The reds are <laughs> slightly different. <laughs> I think the, the tell China was like hold my beer. <laughs> Absolutely, I think they just did a they just did an overrun in that factory, oh. and that's how we're getting there. Because I don't have one in hand, I can only go off the hearsay on the internet. But apparently, the plastic is is possible. It's not like this one's suddenly like made of rubber. <laughs> it's like well, it then, then those good. guys are definitely are open to. Um litigation from hasbro i mean they are technically stealing money from hasbro 
where people should be buying the original version of that figure. People are, are now have the option to buy this knockoff version of the figure. And as Jaws reminds us, it is the extremely exclusive Cobra Commander. So if you are hurting for a Cobra Commander in black, for yeah, for sure. But whether it's exclusive or not, it, it, that's it's irrelevant. It it is something that's being currently being produced by the company. Um, yeah, I don't think they're you know, currently pressing like, them <clears throat> yeah, but it's I I, th I get where but it's Rob's part of the current from. line. You know, it's part hmm. current, part. You know, it also hurts later on. You know, like if, uh, if these knockoffs become more popular, um, then they can they can go ahead and reproduce other the characters from the line. And then going forward, people will be less likely to necessarily pay that extra money for those exclusive figures because they'll they'll just wait for the the knockoffs to come around because they would you know obviously expect that to happen at some point. I think in that so, way that they would be stealing from Hasbro. So I want to weigh in on this uh, quite a bit because because uh, I I have some some thoughts. Firstly, well, I I think it's great that the Hasbro dude is standing uh, that the ex Hasbro employee is standing up for the IP that he worked uh, for a company that he worked for his IP. I think that's that's a very noble thing um, because that shows loyalty to the brand and and all that stuff. And uh, you know that's a, that's a good thing. Um, but in the case of Black Mages um, repros and their repro figures, uh, yeah, I, if Hasbro, like, I get where it's coming from from a legal point of view, but it's also kind of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of defunct where it's, um, it's, it's not really in the consciousness, in the, in the sort of marketing consciousness. So they don't, I don't think it's really fair for them to get like litigious about something that is about 30 years old, 30, 40 years old now. Um, they haven't done anything. They haven't made any serious moves on those products before. Well, and they made they... O-ring figures of the, their own, which didn't really take off, at least not in the way that they had hoped. Um, but then, yeah. And they didn't really the joke... give it a fair go in the first place. Like, but then Hasbro... very exclusive. But then Hasbro didn't even prove that what they are offering is better than the knockoffs because and and somebody actually mentioned um third party gundam kits and stuff like that um earlier up on the chat and um the thing is like this is where i come in from as well i i hate pirated model kits i absolutely hate them because they are shit to build they are very cheap they're very uh, easy to get your hands on and they're also responsible for putting people off the hobby because of how much trouble they are. They actually create an incorrect perception of, of the effort required to build a Gundam kit. Um, and so, you know, Bandai, the, the IP owner of Gundam, they go quite far to make sure that, firstly, their product is better than any uh, knockoff product that is out there. Um, and, and that they also make sure that their product is like of a very, very high standard. Hasbro hasn't done that with their vintage line. So I don't feel... So yes, I think where the, the employee is coming from, I'm like, yeah, cool. Defend the IP and, and you know, that's that's a good thing. But you're defending a company who hasn't made a better version of the knockoffs. <clears throat> and so where's his argument? Like, what? You support... It. You are a customer. It's your money. You're choosing to buy something of quality. And Hasbro is not the people... Are not the people, you know supplying you with the quality product so of course you're going to a third party you know and i think i think if hasbro had to had to be had to take some kind of legal action against black major they're dumb they should actually reach out to black major and be like okay cool how do we make this how do we do this how do we make money 
Why don't or you be like Major could could take? I mean, it's, he's putting himself. I'm pretty in sure he has. Precarious position by putting his hand up and saying, "Hey, can I can I apply for the license?" Because Hasbro is doling out the license to anyone. I'm who pretty sure he has. Price. Has he I'm pretty played? sure. I don't know. I don't know, but I'd imagine that he maybe has. I, I'm saying he. I don't know, but they. The, the, I imagine Black they Manga. have. They um, also Hasbro makes themselves inaccessible I, to most people. So. Yeah, well, that is also true. But you know, if you were to go the legal route and to apply for the the license, <coughs> as so many other, you know, you can get GI Joe branded stationery and mouse pads now. They seem to be pretty liberal about throwing it all around. But mm. look, O-ring is a kind of a hallowed ground for them. Uh, mm. I think it's pretty much common knowledge that Super Seven were interested in doing OG O-ring style GI Joes. However. Hasbro wanted to reserve that for themselves because they were on the verge of relaunching the, the retro collection themselves. We all know how that wound up. I know. That's pretty much it's, DOA. There's this, I don't know what the name of the guy, or actually, it's not just one guy. You know, if I go into Motu, if I look at Motu, yes, he broke. Um, there was, there's a few guys that because of Motu, and I'm talking about Masters of the Universe for the one person who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, they, they created a whole bunch of like designer figures, not Mattel themselves. Like, it's just, it's such a pop culture icon. You know, it's He-Man, it's Skeletor. They all have like, this, a lot of those figures have a very shared buck. And so guys have been like making these like intentional knockoffs, like, and they have kind of an ironic twist to them. And Mattel doesn't like freak out. Mattel, like, they're like, oh, okay, cool. They see it as flattery. It's and and Black Major in in their own way kind of do the same thing. I mean, like okay, I've got, ooh, I just dropped it now, but it's the Red Ninja. It's the one I've been playing with for the last ten minutes um, on camera in the show. You know they've been providing weird takes on stuff. You know like kind of white crimson guards and all that kind of stuff. And then they've also been doing like interesting stuff like glow in the dark ninjas and all kinds of like just fun weird designer toyery toy kind of. G.I. Joe stuff, which is really fun, which only actually enhances the brand. So I don't I don't agree with the, the argument of Black Major is bad and is hurting the brand and is hurting the IP and oh my god, they should get slapped on the wrist. <coughs> the people who should get slapped on the wrist is um, as Rob was speaking about earlier, are the, the factories that are selling off runoffs or doing knockoffs, producing knockoffs in the fam same fa uh, factory and putting them out there. Um, or Hasbro switched or Hasbro factories. I think they've moved from China to Vietnam. So that factory yep. is now like, okay. <laughs> okay, whatever, we've, let's we've go for these, it. We've still got these parts. Uh, let's uh, make a few thousand extras. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's my assumption. And, and on that topic, maybe Hasbro should be like, well, this figure obviously did really well. Let's find a way to re-release it. Um, you know, because people want it. Like, so instead of... Uh, like keep the original exclusive and collectible and whatever else matters to people who buy toys for their financial value um keep that vibe so then release another one that looks pretty much the same and give him a small silver accent somewhere or red accent and produce more of those then i think so the belt people buckle, can, I don't funny, know. funny you should mention it that um supreme snake or whatever <laughs> i don't even know the name i'm not a classified guy the I'm okay i don't even know that figure either yeah. The belt buckle is the tell. Apparently, in the original, the belt buckle is silver. 
on the remake it's black it's just mm. as simple as that however if you're not savvy to this if you're not on the lookout for that i mean it is a it is an exclusive cobra commander and it is missing from most people's classified collections so this mm. is an absolutely sought after substitute since the quality is not um, that far off it even comes with the packaging the sort of the gatefold doesn't it Hey, wow. madness that's that's amazing <coughs> listen i'm not endorsing that by the way i don't i think that's a current product they have on the shelves and they have had it's it's like a product that they still are putting new versions of on the shelves knockoffs mm. of that bad hasbro should sort that shit out it's gonna do it's gonna hurt their products it's gonna hurt their bottom line okay especially when they need to sort that stuff out that's that's mm. off i'm not so i'm not endorsing figure, buying that the figures are already endorsing gone with that kind of uh, okay yeah. but, uh, look i mean this was raised by talking joe so i am mm -hmm. gonna kind of just throw it in your eyes guys that that's cobra commander is no longer in production that's sort of two years ago already mm. but so, the line the classified line is still in production that's like mm -hmm. making knockoffs of ninja turtles from the new movie that is the current line it, it in fact it's it's weird it's i kind of like i feel like the vintage stuff vaporware that's the word i was looking for the vintage figures are vaporware. I feel like vaporware mm. should it's gonna be it's gonna be adopted by people. So instead of creating more resistance to it, find an avenue to make that happen. When people find avenues to make that happen, they stop people from committing crimes. In South Africa, I just want to put this out there. Uh, marijuana is legal, for example. You can possess it, you can grow it, you can smoke it in South Africa. You just are not allowed to sell it. Okay. Marijuana-related crime in the country has actually dropped. It's one of the few things in our crime in this country that's actually dropped. Because it's dropped. It's no longer a crime. Exactly. Hilarious. Nobody is killing people for marijuana. For mm. weed. You know? And it's the same thing with the Black Major thing. And when the repro parts, like, there needs to be... If there is an authority, if there's some kind of way to make... To put that out in the light in a good way that makes people <clears throat> who are doing that kind of thing feel safe, then it can be tracked. Then there can be, you know, um, provisions put into place where it says, okay, you know what? If you're going to make Outback's torch as a repro part, then it can't use Pantone 5568F or whatever. It has to use 5568E, which Paul, is visually distinguishable. You're overlooking the, yeah, sorry. the one most important thing to Hasbro. The fact that they'd have all these third-party guys on the books and paying them a license fee every year. That's, that's money. That's what their bottom exactly. line would be happy with. Yeah. Totally. Like, but that's what I'm advocating. Sure. It's nice true, but just give us money. Yeah. If you well, put it on, on, the top, on the table, you can have money. <clears throat> yes. Rob, go for well, it. Well, it's, it's, it's the same as the reuse of, I mean, okay, it's not just like physical items, but I mean, remember, there's also um, copyright and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. where, where they can still yeah. strike you down. They can get you for the use of uh, bits of the footage that was made, um, licensed made for them or pieces of music i mean that that's a big thing on youtube people who you know obviously if reuse still pieces the of other things it. and mm. yeah exactly so if they still own the rights for it so even even if they aren't producing these things currently they still have the rights necessarily to the likenesses of these figures and those things that they did produce decades ago so i mean at least legally there, there could be a an avenue for them to say that you're know, even pre reproducing anything that we've ever made is 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 wrong um, yeah. 
and it works retroactively it seems i've uh, yeah exactly a number of our videos have you know demonetized because it uses music that hasbro has now asserted the rights no. to. yeah exactly yeah. um which is why we've think, always opted with, to use our own music with, 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 well eventually <laughs> <laughs> we decided um but i think for the reproduction part you cannot cover like the the deceitfulness or the honesty of people because eventually no, there true. will come a time where people will not necessarily know what an original mic was versus what someone reproduced that mic to look like the original. Um, so that is it's true. <clears throat> so eventually mm. it will come down to, and also you can you even keep track of, of all of these little pieces that you've bought over time. That's um, I think Hasbro's problem. They don't know how to audit it. Yeah, that's the thing. But also as collectors, we yeah, it's the collection people quite, problem quite know how to audit mm. that either. Because you, you put a posting on, 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 you know, someone comes along, they put a posting on eBay, they say it's complete. And you get the figure, you think it is complete, but you don't know that. And no one else mm. will be able to tell you. Not even the seller knew that it was incomplete because it seemed complete. Um, so it does kind of change eventually the way that these things sort of work. Um, because also, the, how do you necessarily then test that a piece is the original piece? I suppose you have to carbon date the plastic <laughs> or like well, know you'd, that you'd the put material... in a lab test i suppose you would you'd, you'd, you'd have, have to do, do a, a, that's a whole huge you'd have, thing, yeah but you'd have to that's what you'd have to do you'd have to get to forensic with something it is original Ridiculous. or isn't original you know hmm. um i mean yes in, in in for the person purchasing the reproduction it helps them personally to you know depending on why they're buying it to complete a piece to to finish a you know a figure or something um but then also something that isn't reproduction that I was thinking about, um, like with especially the O-ring figures, is the replacement of screws and the replacement oh, of the O-rings themselves. Like, does that count as reproduction? Does that count then make mm -hmm. the figure not as valuable as an original, original Outback that still has his original screws, still has his original O-ring that hasn't been replaced or refreshed so the figure works? I mean... I feel like, like there's a dividing line in most people's... Um... Uh, consciousness about <laughs> these things but like mechanical parts like o-rings and screws that's kind of almost type one category that can that, you know that's like the nuts and bolts yeah. on a collectible lamborghini for example it's just wear and tear mm. you're going to have to replace those parts okay so those aren't, those aren't considered like another... original parts mm, no no look they, they just are <clears> they, don't, <throat> um, they don't upset a future buyer mm. Mm. Then you got the middle category, which I put reproduction stickers in, because yes, they jazz up an old vehicle beautifully, but if you're a vintage purist that did not come off the original label sheet, it mm. should not be on the original plastic. But I mean, that has existed for years and years and years, and people haven't really complained about it too much because they do such a good job and it really spruces up. Like old stickers look crummy. Like mm. a vehicle that is otherwise perfect, that has crummy, misapplied, wonky, peeling, cracking, cracking stickers. Yes, yes, know, enough about my condor. Yeah, I feel bad <laughs> enough. <laughs> that is very acceptable, it seems. Um, only the most purest of purists would be like, no, I'm not, not accepting that as original. But repro parts are the, sort of the third category where, yeah, now it's suddenly the plastic that is all new. Uh, or resin as it may be so it's a different material even that's that's what really kind of trips people up and something else that i want to add into the debate is the fact that like this has also divided the community 
to the point that some people are like sending like hate mail to mm. like popular figures who endorse the stuff are getting hated on to the point where like it feels like almost legal action needs to be taken because it's like if i see you in the street i will kill you and i will kill your children even if these are hollow words like the threat no i'm sorry that that is actually that's that's worth having a talking to from the boys in blue well that's a threat against your life so yes exactly absolutely Mm. and that stuff gets flagrantly thrown around people are like legitimately angry you know, it started in the Star Wars world, but it's kind of moving through. Yeah, it's going into all the, the different toy lines that are vintage lines that have pieces and parts that do easily get lost or, yeah. People broken. are impassioned about this stuff. And rightly so. For a lot of people, it is actually also a means of living. Like people buy and sell vintage toys knowing their value and expect proper value for them. Interesting. Suppose... It's a debate that goes round and round, but I guess I want to get conclusively from you guys. Do you endorse, or sh- should we do this? Are we not hey, hey, Welcome. I, I would like to, because we're fairly smart-ish people-ish, um, I would like <laughs> us to present a yourself. solution to make... Um, uh, I would like us to find a solution for, for repro parts in the sense of... Um, I'll start it off, okay? People who are selling um, G.I. Joe parts and whatever's, right? If there was some way that they could quote-unquote get the parts graded, which also creates a whole other gray area, and they are graded and certified as selling original parts. Mark them, you know, mark them so that the parts actually have like a a label or something on them. I think someone mentioned in the chat. Yeah, verifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like... You could become a ver- you could have a verified seller rating. I I'm a verified original GI Joe part seller or original toy part seller, as original certified by this body. Parts. Yeah. If it's that important to people and they want to get that like homicidal about it, then why aren't those people trying to find a solution to the problem? But instead, you know, they were resorting to basis, you know, thought patterns, you know, like. It's just silly. I like uh, I. I'm gonna say I like Black Major. I like them because I have seen GI Joe for how many years now? I've seen the same bunch of characters for a very, very long time, and I really appreciate that they're doing things like a ninja and an Ali Viper color scheme. It's fun. It's interesting. Gives me something like cool to chase. It's fun to add to my collection. Am I hurting an IP that is 40 years old that has taken a lot of my money already? No, I'm not. Hasbro made their money out of that era of toys. So, you know what? Am I? Yeah, I mean, at, at yeah. this point, the people making the money is the people selling you the toys or reselling exactly. you the toys that they've owned. Then they they're putting their kids through school. Someone else. They're paying and their medical bills. Yes, Vincent. I mean, as you say, like, um, Reaper makes it possible for you to complete your toys at an affordable price. And yes, mm. you would never sell anything without listening to any Reaper parts on the item. But the thing is, like, down the line, who, who you might have sold it to won't necessarily say that when they sell it on or the person after them won't even necessarily know that the parts that you've replaced with you that aren't originals anymore. That's the thing, mm-hmm. you know, down the line, five, 10, 20 years from now, um, what is the differentiation between an original part and a repro part? There will come a time where people won't even know. And um, what is the punishment? Is original. 
But what is the punishment? No, it, it, the punishment is being upset. I mean, there, there is the, no. You, you can't. You can't. What's um, going to happen? You, Are the collecting police going to come to your house and slap some cuffs on you? Be like, you're you naughty. You, you bought fake you can't parts. Manage this. You can't. You can't. There is no, no level at which you can manage people reproducing no, exactly. parts because they don't all communicate with each other. You know. Mm. They tell each other like, oh, you know, these are the guidelines no that we standard. follow to reproduce parts. That's the mm. thing, and you cannot put standards in, in place either, because it, it depending on where the reasons why they're reproducing the pieces, um, also necessitates um, them not necessarily being honest about why they're reproducing things. You know, whether they're reproducing parts or entire kits or figures in in themselves, they're doing it because it's popular, because they know it will mm. sell. So I think. Reproduction is it's a necessary evil for the people that um, want to replace the parts and make the collections uh, more complete for cheaper. Um, and it's something that obviously won't ever go away. I think the sort of knockoff sort of thing is in many markets um, and it, it will enter into whatever market you're in, especially as things get older because um, people do want to finish their collections and make them more complete, at least for themselves. Um, so there's nothing you can do about it, really. Unfortunately, I thank think, you, Moonlight yeah, Forty Seven. Repo Corp. Rip. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Repo Cops. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you just said the Repo Cops to coin retro blasting. It's like, yeah, that's exactly the thing. Like at the end of the day, what it all comes down to, if it's original, cool, okay, that's awesome. Especially, I think, when it comes to the figure, when it comes to the actual figurine itself, you know. There are a lot of things that tell you that that it's the original. There's a lot of paint applications. There's a lot of um, finessing and stuff in the joints and the design and the and the construction of the figure. That you know, it's it's very discernible. Um, the accessories is obviously where the gray area starts coming in. But at the end of the day, like I was saying, if you're going to get to this point in your life, you're going to go, wow, you know, I really want to get uh, Snake Eyes's three-piece nunchaku because for some reason the plastic has failed on every single one of them in the whole world and now the little ring that holds them together is now crushed. So now the an original piece for that is going to, like, I don't know, it's going to jump up. It's going to be $5,000 to get yourself an original trisectional staff <laughs> or three-piece nunchaku <laughs> for, like, Snake Eyes, right? I hope I'm when dead you could... by then. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay? Um... Or at least I hope the one that I have is still in place so that maybe my kids can sell it off and put their kids through college. Or, <laughs> or I don't know, buy a loaf of bread. We don't know what the future looks like. But the thing is, you are still going to be able to sell that piece for money. You're going to still be able to go up to somebody and go, well, you know, I've got this. How much are you willing to pay for it? And somebody might go, I'll pay you $50 for it. And then you'll be like, I don't want to sell it for $50. And then that's it. Unless until you really do need fifty dollars, then you'll find a way to sell it. It's commerce. It people will that will never hurt the market. I want to say never hurt the market, but I don't think it has this power. I don't think like one day what's going to happen <laughs> is you're gonna complete your GI Joe collection and then you know you're gonna it's great because the holy light is gonna shine on it and then you're gonna pass off into the next realm and you know God or whoever it is that you have to look in the face is gonna go well you know I hate to break it to you. Most of your G.I. Joe collection was a repro. Enjoy heaven. <laughs> I don't think it's going to make a difference. At the end of the day, you're living yeah. now. You've got no, no, absolutely. You put them in the, your toys' hands. You play with them. You make pew-pew sounds. And for most people, it's in a box somewhere. Seriously. Like, chill. 
And like honestly, chill. Yeah, I mean, Sergeant yeah. Slaughter. I mean, he he sums it up nicely. Anti-repro naysayers are usually those who consider value over display. It's financial mm-hmm. only. If you don't want to mortgage your house for a certain accessory and a cheaper option is out there, go for it. Um, and Woodman, I think, um, adds on to that with exactly the value for something is based solely on what someone will pay for it. And the yeah. thing is, yes, these things are worth a lot of money to all of us right now. But the intrinsic value but is down, very low. But, but down the line, um, these things are worthless. Unless you oh, I told you, man. Like of, 70 unless US you understand the value of what the thing is. Mm. I mean, if if, if, if a mother comes along and takes her her son's Magic the Gathering card collection, and some of those cards can be worth tens of thousands of dollars and just throws them all out because she didn't understand the value of what the things were, they were essentially valueless. Um, So the thing is, it's just paper or pollution. This Mm. is just plastic. Mm. It's, it's, It's meaningful to us, but at some point it will be meaningless to someone else down the line. Um, so it's true. The value that you, we place in these things is, is, is yeah, the, the, the financial value or the, you know, or the, um, I don't know, collecting value or the, you know, like happy feeling value, um, you know, that's mm. all down to us personally. So it'll so plateau and then drop off a hill. Well, it does kind at of. At some point, everything, it, it will happen with everything, essentially. As There's a point, point made by Spoonkiller that uh, once this generation is gone, these will become worthless because Hasbro failed to keep kids interested in their IPs. To yeah. that, I would just say that, like, you know, like tin toys from the 1940s still have value, but yeah. they were a much lower production run. This plastic junk that we yeah. have it's, littering it's, our collections <clears throat> is mass produced. It's pollution. In the, the, yeah, for comics from the 90s. Comic collecting, I mean, basically anything after 1980 is essentially worthless because mm. they produce so many of them. And, and the, the, right, right. the worth that they, that, they, that they do put into those comics, that they're especially today, they're producing like one in 100 variants. That is artificially created value. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, the comics, why the comic books from the 70s and before are worth what they are is because... There are key events that occurred on those comics. It's the first time something happened, but not just that. Um, it's because they were so few produced because they were just produced to be a entertainment. It was produced to make mm-hmm. money. It wasn't produced because they knew down the line people would collect them. Mm. So it, they're only valuable because there are so few of them, and because yeah, and but it's only an some of them were actually worth something, you know, because it's an yep. antique. Um, so yes, eventually these will be antiques if someone understands their value and can and can impart that value to someone else so they can explain it in a way that the people would understand and would create monetary interest in someone else to purchase them. Mm. Um, so I mean, eventually, yeah, I mean, but yeah, repro parts. I don't know. I think I think it's fine. Repro parts are okay. You know, it it really comes down to the person themselves. Um, what the value now go get that scarlet crotch rob go get that scarlet crotch oh no i couldn't no i'm gonna throw something (laughs) i've just said that i'm gonna (laughs) that is the no one part of the figure oh you want the whole figure okay oh oh really hang on now you've just contradicted yourself you're saying i'm saying you as a personal choice okay the royal you for for yourself i'm choosing not to um, I would rather have an original figure with original parts. broken cross. original. Cool. 
I yeah, am happy to get. I mean, I'm happy to. Have I'll be getting some. That's totally okay. Awesome, man. But I'm, I'm not have some... looking to replace the piece. I think I, I like the figure the way it is. I don't need to Broken replace crotch. it. Make it make it um, uh, more the way it was originally. <laughs> Less I, hole I again. It's... Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> more hole. <laughs> more hole. Oh gosh, guys. Um, guys. Here's the thing, right? So uh, somebody Out mentioned here about <laughs> uh, somebody mentioned here about uh, knockoff bootlegs and how it's you know how they used to scam people. Well, um, I don't think that this is a healthy way to look at it. So I'm not endorsing this, but I think um, you need if you're going to be in the collecting game. I think that there is a barrier to entry, and that barrier to entry is you will get scammed at one point or another. You will get scammed, uh, most likely very early on in the beginning, um, because you'll find something that's too good to be true, and you'll be excited about it, and you might drop a lot of coin on it, and then realize you've actually bought a turd. It's going to happen. It happens to some people. It's just it's just part of the beast, and maybe buying a bootleg figure is part of your journey there so now you have a bootleg figure now you have a medium by which to compare something to and it'll make you more savvy and make you more awake and make you more aware and question things more but i'm not saying game you know that that is the game is is the more knowledge you have the better deals and 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 the better things you will be able to acquire um you've got to kiss a few toads before you get your handsome prince yeah, yes. learn some hard lessons and come back. No if you're in the collecting that. game financially, mm-hmm. then you have to be smarter than the next guy. Unfortunately, that's just the yep. this, the game. If you are yep. stupid, you are going to be tricked by these people. You got to um, learn. Hey, maybe you if you learn, if you if you happen upon a sweet deal, it's too good to be true. You purchase it, and you're not particularly savvy. You sleep easy because you're like sweet i got that hard to find figure at a song i win the internet for the day and and long may that feeling last like ignorance i have discovered is bliss i kind of want to cap (laughs) this debate off a little bit (laughs) by saying that i anyone who has a sizable collection if you have gone through your collection and made a parts list then you are damned just like I was. I should have never made that list to begin with because Same. once you've got a checklist of like, I need so-and-so's mic, I need so-and-so's antenna, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. The last things remaining on your list are inevitably going to be these, these unicorns, these impossible tiny little slivers of plastic. And for that purpose alone, the repro guys are a godsend because I almost don't care about the toys. I care about this list. I care about deleting things from my list. Like, whew, it's gone. That list is getting shorter and shorter and shorter really? by the day, and eventually, poof, it'll disappear. Yeah, right. And what will happen at the end of that? Stuff, right? But what will happen at the end of that rainbow? When you get to the end of that rainbow, that end of that list, Toy is life going to be better? Right? Look, I will maybe. I will, I will no longer have a list that plagues me, Paul. Once that list I understand is gone, that there's freedom from cleared, that. Once that document has actually been deleted from my mobile device and from the cloud and from my laptop, once it's gone, like I'll be like, <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. So no I'm, I'm, it. I'm three yeah, or four steps side. closer to that. Every time I kind of hit delete on a, like, a, a sort of a row. I'm it's like, a happy feeling. Oh. Yeah. 
So nice. So yeah, it, but it doesn't matter. The plastic doesn't matter. Just what the, the mind game matters. Welcome, Ben. But here's a, Hello, and you know ben. what's cool? We miss you, buddy. You know what's awesome uh, here with you, dude? Um, and I can speak to you of, about this, and I can speak to Rob on this, and I can speak on myself what? on this. Speak to all of us. We are all looking for something like to add to our G.I. Joe collection, and it's going to be great because you know, you're going to be released from this list. I may have... Um, I can't even think of an accessory that I'm really dying to have. Maybe I will have um, uh, Big Bear's Grenades. That would be nice one day. Big I ben. don't know... Big Ben, thank you. Big Bear, I was thinking. MG. I actually need a Big Bear figure as well. It'll be nice to have that. I'll be like, yeah, you can recreate moments from the gaming thing. But ultimately, I have so many great G.I. Joe toys. And Steven has so many great G.I. Joe toys. And so does Rob. And you know what? We actually play with those toys. Okay? And that's great. Like, and now we need some weapons for our guys because they've got holes in their legs and things like that. And they need damn torches for those holes. So let's have them. And we play with yeah. our toys. It's not like we're ungrateful for what we have. And it's not like we're sitting here and going, at the end of this rainbow, oh my God, we're going to reach Toy Valhalla. I'm going to, you know, hit new highs in my life. I'm going to see through time and space. It's just going to be like, cool. I got like something to plug into Artbag's leg. I got a yellow blizzard. Great. Like, this is fun. I'm going to play with him. I'm going to do it on the internet and make people really freak out. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, repro parts do have a so place. Ben. They, they, they add mm. things to your collection that you want to add to them. Well, the people buying the repro parts directly, I think there's no problem with that. I mean, you, it's, you're choosing to do what you want with those pieces. And as, as Baron says, as long as people are being honest about it, I think repros are totally fine. But the thing is, mm. it, there will be people who aren't honest about it. Um, but no, really, in the end, there's nothing you can really do about that. But, but that's never changed. That's always, thing, been, yeah, there. That's yeah. always been there. And that's, that's why I think um, uh, putting a focus or, or saying, you know, people should be smarter when collecting, that's important. That's that's always important. If, if it means something to you to have the originals, you have to be smarter about getting them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, that's just how it is. Hello, Jeremy, and welcome, Daedalinks Magnus. Yo, yo. <laughs> Steve, um, the last little thing I want to put on this whole... Uh, it's a question to yeah, you now because of your repro parts. Four years, brother. And it's a question, my dude. Yo. Do you feel that um, the torch on Outback being a repro somehow makes Outback more difficult or easier to play with? Hmm. hmm. Here yeah. I was thinking it would be a question about the quality of that torch, which I've already said is kind of excellent. Um, more difficult to play with. I can always get a new one. If oh, I was wow. to use it in a, a play motion and, and if I lost that piece, I could essentially get it back without too much trouble. Exactly. Hmm. So it doesn't, it, is, it doesn't diminish the fun of playing with the toy. It is giving me license to use this guy because... Hmm. If you use this figure in, in photography or in play motion and he lacks that thing, pe people, we can't help ourselves. We'll have an immediate, if, you, if you're in the know, you're like, Update links. Yeah. It's a commonly lost part and it's missing from this guy. Um, you, you kind of have a little snigger. You're like, <laughs> you're in the same boat as me, pal. But if you want to take that picture and have it look like a catalog photo or if you want it to feel authentic, 
it's nice to not have a little hole in the guy's leg <laughs> like so many outbacks have that shouldn't be so now i feel i feel that he's he's photo worthy he's play motion worthy he's ready to mm. be used he wasn't before now he is um so welcome out back to the fun hell yeah welcome and i know this fun. operates oh. this operates for you as well oh, Paul. So you fun. like yeah. you don't regard a figure has 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 as having oh, words you don't regard a figure <laughs> as having entered your collection i got there thank you until it is complete mm -hmm. until that yeah. time he stays in a box under the bed he doesn't go out no. on display yeah right because so then he's like a, all there but he's missing a shotgun on his leg or something you know just an enormous satisfaction yeah. And this comes back to my list that almost the plastic doesn't matter. It's it's my my mental tally of these things that like mm. oh, yes checkbox. I'm haunted by I can my forget about I can forget <laughs> about hunting that part. All right, guys, I think that's that's enough for the reaper debate. It I goes around and around in circles, but I guess no, none absolutely. of us are strongly we, we opposed to it. Together. We are happy no? happy for the bootleggers to continue. If you want the details of the repro guy I used, I'm happy to give them via direct message. So message us a real South African hero at gmail.com. Not sponsored. Putting that out yeah. there. And we're not, we're not let us know sense. what you think about repro. Like, like if you have really strong opinions either way. Does it bother um, you? Do you like it? Spoonkiller says we should make a, a poll to settle this. All right, I'll tag to Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. So if you're on any of those platforms as well, if you're watching this, you most certainly are. Um, we will have it out. See what the numbers tell oh, us. Yeah. Or at least the numbers of people who subscribe to us. Repro. Mm -hmm. We'll do um, Hasbro's market surveying for them. So nice of us. <laughs> Hasbro don't care. We're here to talk Hasbro about don't care. Books, aren't we boys? <laughs> They drink oh, our tears. We have a comic book from 1983 and a comic what? book from 2025. One, I think. 2019. <laughs> we are reading prospectively in terms of the old school run from one to 155. We are also reading respectively, retrospectively from 300 back to 155.1 or 0.5. Yeah, that one. Wherever the IEW runs. We're going back One, from the future. We're going back. And hopefully meeting in the middle somewhere. Uh, mm, so, gents, would you prefer to do the old school or the new school first? Can we get the new school one out of the way? Because there's like five of them. Right. <laughs> wow. We I really like to eat my veggies first reading, We were tasked yeah. with reading... Uh, Murder by Assassination. Murder by Assassination. Which is not the hit new CBS... Uh, dramedy from the guys Can who someone brought tell me, you um, what Dexter. What's the, what is the <laughs> title? title of this book? What, what is the title? Murder by Numbers. What does the title have to do with the story? Exactly. So what, like, what is, is this the, the one story? where the neighbor Basically, murders everybody in the neighborhood? I don't know. Like, what is, like, there's, there's no assassination happening here. Um, well, so that one story... guy in the Senate hearing gets his neck snapped, doesn't he? By Alcalibra. He does. He's collateral but damage. Is, uh, but he does. But it's it's just in the moment. It's it's not his primary mission wasn't to do Ooh, dude, that. I agree with I agree with what Talking Joe is saying here. So we should probably do two polls and specify reproduction figures 
and reproduction figure parts, as yeah, in that's accessories. Right. That's a good one. Thank you, Talking Joe. And how are so, you? Man? I hope you are clicking all the butt. Murder by assassination. Basically, it it they, the story is um it's 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 an origin story for Sherlock and New GI Joe, um as well as a international manhunt for a man named Al Cal Al Cobra Al Al Cobra Al Cobra um who is the linking part? They basically chase him across the globe. They're trying to get him, and he pops up all over the place. Um, so the first story is the setup of Al Calbra, um, and there's kind of like a, a mini story where he Al-Cobra. kind of pops up again. Yeah, he just happens to pop up in Washington D.C. for a bit, um, and the manhunt continues from there. Um, it feels very disjointed. It feels like a couple of different stories all kind of smashed together. Um, and the linking pieces, it, 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 there's supposed to be some sort of intrigue as to like, what is all these places that he's at? What are these um, missions that he's um, undertaking for Cobra? Um, which, which especially like later on in I think part five, like they're like, oh, they, what are these construction bots doing? What are they piecing together? Where is this all going? Um, so it's all very much like here, the behind the scenes, um, but especially the Washington DC one was was probably the more interesting of the the, the stories because you kind of get a, get a feeling for like um, what does G- how does Diageo um, operate within the the structure of the the you know the U.S. government and how do they kind of um, interrogate the choices that Diageo make, even though yeah. it's kind of like an article. Um, Similar to events in the classic run, they're being asked to answer for action taken on U.S. soil in invasion mm. of Springfield once again, um, mm. and they're being yeah grilled by the Senate in a closed they're hearing. Being, but it it almost feels like it's it's just just mm, it's like oh we had to rescue Snake Eyes because the the bad guys were going to turn him into a super zombie. Um, <laughs> And it's like, how do you really explain that? I mean, their 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 answers basically are they still took leave. All right, so they all on leave. Why were they on leave? So no, we can't actually tell you what to do. Um, so you like this procedural stuff, Rob? It was I, I wouldn't say like, but it was interesting to kind of just see a, a different angle, you know. Um mm. as to and the result part of the, the, the bigger picture. You know, like how does GI Joe function within the the structure of the U.S. government and the U.S. armed forces? Mm. It does result they... in the the only assassination of the piece, because <coughs> Al Cobra shows up and kills a senator who had Cobra sympathies or had been kind of, I suppose, bought by. Well, Cobra. yeah, he was bought by Cobra, yes, and he was there to steal the little camera on his um, lapel. So basically, to 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 remove uh, this guy from the board and remove Cobra's kind of involvement, I, I, I guess, from, from being discovered. Um, yes. So the, the sleeper agent of the other the other senator was, was still covered. I mean, she by the end of the story, we don't see her again. Um, so maybe she pop. I mean, I know she doesn't pop up again in the next 15 issues. <laughs> You've read the future, but not the past. It's very good. <laughs> the past. Um, so, so then we get concerned with um, a foreign nation, sort of. In a, I suppose it's a maybe a, 
an analog to China or, or probably one of the, the more jungle Asian nations, sort it's of more like Asia. Indonesia or something. Yeah, yeah maybe. or Thailand, um, maybe mm, Laos, had, Cambodia. Because of the right, yeah, because of the like seeing the tiger draft in this mm. shot and the singer made me feel like okay, it's possibly Thailand. Um, yeah. and then also the style of the the writing of the the you know the the languages uh, the writing the I don't think they text. go with anything resembling Thai they use they use American oh not American they use English um, sort of no no Latin not that symbols not yeah but then there's the I don't want to call it Sanskrit because it feels dismissive but basically the Sanskrit used for and uh, you'll see later on, like in some of the street signs and things oh, like that. There yes. we go. Yeah. That does on look like Thai. Um, mm. Now, suddenly, Alcabra's mission is to secure nuclear weapons. So, oh, oh no! Man. Well, he had the nuclear weapons. He was selling them. Okay. Right. So in in this mission, in this situation, Alcabra, what what he was doing for Cobra was selling off some of their nuclear armaments to make Cobra money. So you what's see, your observations like, here, Rob? Well, in general, that's what I'm kind of saying. Like, it's it's very disconnected. You know, it's an international manhunt for this guy, um, led by Sherlock. Um, I think, especially after the Washington mission, where, where they realized um, that this guy is fairly <clears throat> prominent in in Cobra. Um, well, the, this this mission itself was fairly interesting. I liked, I liked the inclusion of the the, the surprise appearance of the Dreadnoughts. And the resolution of the story. Oh, did you really? As well. Great. Go, <laughs> yeah. Rob. That is progress, my dude. You are learning to love those uh, dreadnoughts. Just a little bit. <laughs> well, it was just so left field. It's just suddenly, suddenly dreadnoughts and <laughs> pirates from some random issue of, of G.I. Joe back in the day that I think the research assistant remembered that, uh, you know, these characters existed. <clears throat> So the, yeah. the chase was interesting, the, the kind of use of the diff the newer characters. I mean, what's the one character's name? Black Hat, there's a top down or bottom line or something. Bottom uh, line. I love bottom line. <laughs> bottom line. Admin well, she's dude. Non-combat, non it seems. Yeah, yeah. And she's fully like in the field. Interesting. And what's the other one called? Case, case something? Case load. Case load. Case load. I'm not fond this of anyone who has load in their, their code name. I mean, I'm I, uh... waiting. <laughs> We're going to take a load with. <laughs> I just, guys. My two-year-old just I'm dropped just... a heavy load. <laughs> guys, can I just like, can I just True put story. it like a small pin in this one? Just here for two seconds. Because this mm -hmm. is something that has been nagging at me since reading these five issues. Okay. Does everybody in G.I. Joe need to have a code name? Like, does the JAG... Lawyer need to have a code name like caseload. Does the administrative clerk need to have a case uh, a, a name like bottom line? Can't she just be like Janine in administration? Think, Is that like well, not good from, enough? Well, from top top to bottom, I mean, they do discuss it in in the DC episode, like to protect the the families as well as the the identities of the agents themselves. They would prefer to use code names, um, and I think. Uh, either they remain completely nameless, but you still have to refer to them if you are in, in an outside mm. situation. So even if they are the admin people, I think it, it's ridiculous to say it out loud, but yes, they do actually require oh, code. They're names. just trolling the Senate, basically, by making you call the person caseload. So, <laughs> so like when, I, I mean, Rob, listen, I, I think we are in good company here. 
you got Scoop, and I know Scoop is notoriously not loved by many Joe fans for not being mm-hmm. the most action. So imagine like today's generation that receives, you know, a caseload under the Christmas tree or bottom line or um, uh, deadline, which is the G.I. Joe's tax, tax consultant. Well, these are um, certainly you know, not toy Joe's. These are no, they're, they're administrative guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they just they added in there. Um, I just... I wanted to be a child, and I wanted to imagine them being a, a, a toy. No, and I wanted to be I mean, childish I about it. Because... Imagine someone buying them. No one would ever buy mm. these figures. Them as figures. Um, but Moon- Moonlight points out um, Sherlock is like the worst code name you can have for a detective character. <laughs> so every it's, detective. I don't want to say it, but it. Like I'm worried that it's going to be a little bit. Um, it's a little on the. On the nose. Yeah. I don't mm. know. Maybe. Mm. Mm. Well, I suppose it, it's what else do you call a detective character? Like, also, it, it's it's the name that they I don't know. Dick, part of the unit. <laughs> I don't know, like like I don't know, like unloader. I don't know. Lookie case solver. Case solver. I do, um, I don't. Know. Why I do mean, they call the detective bottom line? That would be cool. That would be cool. Get to the bottom of this. I don't know. Whatever. It's like it's so- I'm just like. If, I'm being if devil, for no make other it, reason than a quick devil. shorthand yeah. for the writer, like Larry's mm. been quoted often enough saying that there are <laughs> hundreds of characters to try and <laughs> to try and file in his brain. If the if the code name is on the nose, it only acts well, as a kind the of more a, obvious the code name for sure. Absolutely, is, is who's the detective Joe again? The, the, the sure. crime and investigation. Who's the guy with the gun roadblock? I mean, it, it, there is kind of a history of that. I mean, they do the names do kind of re- resonate with their as a construction hat, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah. Generally speaking, the code names resonate with their their function. Um, so it's not just for him as a writer. It's 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 for the Giardos themselves to more easily, I suppose, identify their agents. I don't know. Chuckles. Cool. Like <laughs> I said, I want, I want to be to... a bit of. I want to move us on. I do, really, because the old school yeah. is where we really want to to sink our teeth. Oh, for sure. But the final so what is the... of this five mm. part uh, has a you know delightful return to form. It's all out action in the jungle at a kind of a a cobra installation that's supposed to be abandoned, but oh, there's activity. So we've got old classics like rock and roll and Falcon. We've got wetsuit in his kind of land gear. Uh, and then recoil, recoil, just to kind of give you a third-tier G.I. Joe figure into the mix. All you recoil fans out there, all three of you. Sherlock and that rejoice. other character, Mamba. Sherlock and Molto, <laughs> Molto the Filipino. Um, yes. Yeah, they're all in, in the mix. So it's a great mix of new and old uh, well, fan I favorites. Mean, and still across all of these issues, there's, there's still the, the fantastic... Um, like military jargon, especially the first issue, um, with the, with them kind of like rolling out, you get the explanation of like what you know, what, why the you know the trucks, what the, the, their functions, and why they in in the line, you know, what their uses are. Um, and this one also has this fantastic, not fantastic, but I mean, yes, it kind of it's brass tacks mission like speak. Um, and I think that's usually the stronger issues for me. This is when it's more focused on what they're doing rather than necessarily why they're doing it and in this one alcalbra's uh collaborating with overkill mm-hmm. 
and some construction bats who are assembling something to go into containers to then be taken to parts unknown. So we've got, once again, little threads to pull out of like, you know, teases of a, of a, of a, a master plan happening, which Larry loves yeah. doing. Sometimes he'll pay mm -hmm. them off. Sometimes they'll be forgotten, but they're all, you know, he's working them in. Doesn't know quite what he's going to do with them just yet, but they're, they're present. Cobra's he's always got, got something, some machinations. Yeah. Exactly. He's creating options for himself. I love it. I love it. Love it. But gents, the presentation of Overkill, what mm. opinions do you have on that? Overkill it's being classically very different the, from how, yeah. the Bat Commander. Yeah, very different from how he was first presented in plastic and in deek. He now seems he's to be very much a, a person. Yeah. yeah, he's a cyborg, it, it seems. Um, I prefer is, the way he was in toys. Oh, you like the robot? Well, this I is like an interesting robot. almost settling of the debate because... In Devil's Due, he very much was a cyborg. And the toys of the era, he was very much a cyborg. So this mm. is Larry in canonic A-Raw G.I. Joe picking sides. He's not going mm. to make him the toyetic, hot, what was it, green? Neon green. Yeah. <laughs> um, and certainly not going to take on the Deke animation characterization, which is more in line with like C-3PO, <laughs> I found. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and also, I suppose, uh, if, if you want to lamp Sigma-6 in with that, also very well-spoken robot. Oh. Um, now, this is very much bare bones and, and in, in line with the Devil's Due uh, resetting of Overkill as a cyborg, a sort of resurrected fallen soldier. I'm not going to tell you who it's supposed to be because maybe maybe you want to read that stuff. Yeah, maybe it's I do. It gives, me some, it gives me hope. Yeah, There's something to be excited uh, about in these issues. <laughs> Overkill makes an appearance. Um, shout outs to Talking Joe. I know that you're listening. I don't know if you're currently listening, but he managed to peg this figure design to uh, Ghost Bear. I mean, who who would have remembered that other than Talking Joe? Well done, Mark. Uh, Ghost Bear being the uh, bastard child of Quinn, the Eskimo, the deceased mm -hmm. oh, cool. mercenary. Yeah. So he is, yeah, he, he, he still thinks that G.I. Joe killed Quinn. So he naturally allied himself with Cobra. But the uniform is very much a dead ringer for it. Except Ghost Bear has two red optics instead of the one well, exposed talking Joe eye. brings up a, a point. Joe Fact, the color design for Overkill by Andrew Griffiths was not followed by Jay Brown. It mm. ended up looking quite different to Andrew's intent. I always wonder this about, thank you, Mark. I always wonder this about Mr. Brown, that he is looking at maybe the wrong reference material because a lot of stuff changes in colorization. And it's, it's, it's sometimes immaterial. Sometimes it's just like a Mobat that's brown and a Mauler that's green, sort of palette swapped for tanks. Fine, whatever. Mm. But sometimes it's quite Drop drastic. to that overkill for me, please. Okay, go up to the overkill so, for you, please. <laughs> then what is the color? Then what is the color for that overkill meant to be? Then, because, well, for the scoop, go and listen to Talking Joe's episode. Uh, I, because, I, I, or maybe yeah. the Facebook group. If you've shared it, Mark, um, shout outs to you, man. Because I'm curious. Because for me, it's a case of um, 
like sometimes, you know, as a colorist, you might feel that, oh, those colors are just not working for the shot or they're not leading the eye properly. Or maybe, you know, maybe he's or the person who has final... the figure, which it is in the final uh, colorized art. That he might also not get final, you know, he might be the final person to get sign off. So once his colors are in, um, art director looks at it and generally like, no, change those colors or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what the process is with, the, with them. Maybe it's that. But um, there is a, it's cool that, it's cool that Overkill shows up. But do you know that they kind of foreshadow him? Um, Rob, I got a feeling you know which, what I'm talking about. Hmm? They kind of foreshadow him. If you look at his design here. What does he look like? Vapor. He looks. Oh, he looks yep. like. Um, yeah, he does actually. He gets, Yeah. And, and there's a vapor on early on in the issue that gets shot in the face. What he's doing, <laughs> flying a fang, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, that that was kind of. I felt that I, I would like to believe that that was foreshadowing that putting vapor on a fang was meant to trigger fans to go. Wait, hold on, something's not right here. Um, so I feel like that was there was that was maybe a little. I would like to believe that was a bit of narrative. Vapors um, are cyborgs in themselves. They've got the mm -hmm. standard electronic shunt, don't they? Yeah, yeah it's kind of implanted. I don't think it, it's it's probably not the same character though. I think basically they they wanted an interesting looking character to to be to flying the thing. Cap to be no, but, as well. but, I mean, it, it's but they could have put anything there. I think it's just a bit of foreshadowing. I think it's just like, oh, there's a robot that's going to be at the end of this issue. I think they were trying to, I think that's kind mm -hmm. of what they were trying to do. I, I end of the arc. I mean, this is several months later that, I mean, part five. I think that was the, I think that was a plan. Because, Maybe. you know, when I you mean, read these things I, in a graphic novel, it's a movie. So yeah, speak. that's true. But mm -hmm. I mean, but personally, I didn't read more into it than he just shot someone, which was a, a running gag as it were with Alf Calibra, which is then paid off with him shoot. trying to shoot overkill. Yeah. Hmm. The rule of threes. He's capped three underlings, I think, maybe even four. And then he tries it on overkill and overkill's like, ha, ha you fool. Not everyone has a metal, you know, helmet. But Al Calibra, yeah. I mean, what did you guys think of the reveal? Turns out to be a non event. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, uh, sorry to make that clear. He was just another Fred series, Crimson Guardsman. He was not an alter ego of Firefly. Or, yeah, yeah. Or like, I don't know, Cobra Commander or someone running around doing these things. Um, it, it, yeah, it's essentially ended up being a nothing burger. I mean, he was just, Oh, you're just a, another Fred series. Uh, I will give it this yeah. much. This is probably the most writing for trade paperback <laughs> that Larry will ever do. But within five parts, he sets up this guy. We see this manhunt. And in the end, Sherlock gets her man. I think that is mm -hmm. probably the, 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 the most glowing praise I'm going to give. Well, no, look, there's lots to praise. The art is, once again, phenomenal. The art is fantastic across the, across the board. I mean, the, the, these are his regular artists who, who do fantastic jobs in, in creating um, good mechanical stuff, reproducing mm. the Joe vehicles. Um, Doing classic and the new in general. Yeah, but I think but yeah, high praise for, for Larry, who by his own admission is a fly by the seat of his pants kind of writer, for having masterminded something that begins and ends within five issues and has a conclusive ending. I mean, sure, there are plenty of of, of threads that um, 
bleed over into next uh, issues. And, yeah, and but like the, the story of Sherlock is is very conclusive, and it's cool because it's like, yes, you took my hand, but you, the Joes gave me a better one. <laughs> so it's as if he uh, was actually playing towards that moment. There, confirmed for all time. Yeah. Larry does think ahead. <laughs> I, I I think when he says that, it's not a hard and fast rule. I think you know it really depends on the story he's no, telling. We've we've always um, remarked that there's no way you can be completely blind to what happens next. Well, you, you can be, but you end up lost. So. Writers, right? Yeah, I think you know he writes the way he writes. That's just it. Um, I think overall, I I don't know. Like, I like that it kind of it's like a manhunt. They are chasing after this guy, and there are kind of like slightly smaller stories that do occur. Um. That kind of get your interest and it kind of expands the world of G.I. Joe in a way. And it's cool to kind of see like different characters um, chasing after this guy and, you know, them trying to build him up to be something really interesting. But he isn't necessarily that interesting in the end. He just shoots people and he seems to get shit done. But at the same time, does he get shit done? <laughs> so I don't know. I think overall, I'd probably give it like a three. A three out of five. It was a decent read. Um, I wasn't completely bored. Um... <laughs> cool to see the dreadnoughts. <laughs> wow, that's saying a lot. I'll, I'll, the I'll, lots I'll, come from I'll be more generous. I'm going to go three and a half. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's nice to see new Joes. I, of course, prefer to see old Joes, but like, if you are going to introduce new Joes, give them some devoted page time. Don't just give us a throwaway guy and then we don't get a sense of them. Background I feel dude. like Sherlock is someone who moving forward, I will, I'll be like, oh yeah. Yeah, you'll remember them. You know? Misty Knight. She's got the yeah. bionic arm. Hell yeah, Sherlock <laughs> and Mumbo. You're terrible, Rob. You're the worst. Paul, Malta. what's your rating, pal? I, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Um, because oh, yeah. I actually quite enjoyed this arc. This is probably, uh, aside from the, uh, the Storm Shadow issue, uh, the Vietnam uh, flashback, um, that we that's what I've read, you know, coming down the pipe, so to speak. This has probably <laughs> been the most fun that I've had with this uh, line so far, with the modern line, uh, because, you know, we got a little bit of that, that stuff in the courtroom, but we didn't get too much of it for it to be boring. We got um, some interesting action beats. We got a villain that was a mystery until he was just not that exciting, which was why it's getting three and not four out of five, because I felt what he was was a letdown. <coughs> I think it would have been... I, I just... Yeah, and also, I get... Like, maybe don't call somebody Sherlock who falls for the same trick twice. Explosions. <laughs> Um, well, she does the first time. Uh, well, he's not specialist, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Her specialty is yeah. being smart. Yeah, like I think she's a great character. I actually really like her. Um, I think you know think she, she's, she's a really great character, and I also like the whole prosthetic arm thing, and made me think of that character that I did for the Operation uh, Recall um, thing, the submission long long ago. Now, um, it makes me think of that because. You know, I, I just felt that that was, a, I don't know, I just liked that. I just liked that she had the prosthetic. I think that's a cool idea. Um, and it just felt like, it felt a bit like um, that Tom Clancy show, uh, Jack Ryan. Had a bit of a Jack Ryan-y kind of feel, and I enjoyed oh. that. About the payoff was a little bit like of a letdown, to be fair. But 
it was a fun ride until then. You know, it's three out yeah. of five. I wasn't upset. Subvert your expectations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I knew what I was getting out of it. I didn't feel like I'd wasted my life like um shit, like that whole thing with the casino and Cobra Casino and Oh, oh that God. stuff, yeah. Oh, oh, we haven't left it just yet. No. 301's coming, baby. All right, good. Let's move the agenda on to a comic. Okay. Classic issue. Here comes the the the, the, the Jubber Man preface. <laughs> issue nine of G.I. Joe was the first issue within the first 10 issues that I ever had as a youth. I didn't until I got the trade paperback, courtesy of Marvel Comics back then, as an adult, I had not read the first 10 issues of G.I. Joe. So issue nine was this lonely island of like retro old school green shirt Joe a bygone era that I had very little access to. And personally, I loved the glimpse that it gave me. This wow. super spy, like, Scarlet was place of pride, man. This is her issue to shine. It's entitled mm. The Diplomat. And the cover, as you may or may not recall, is that amazing image of Scarlet tumbling out of a helicopter, or maybe she's trying to pull herself into a helicopter. I'll, mm. I'll bring it up on screen. Why am I wasting my breath? Yes, we um, have the uh, Marvel video. For the people who are listening. Yes, <laughs> um, and it's so dramatic. Like, she could shoot that Cobra Trooper in the face, but then she'd be tumbling out with him. He's about to mm. pistol whip her with impunity. This is a Damn. Chick Stone and Mike Fosberg cover, and this marks Mike's entry into G.I. Joe. So it's it's his first blushings with this stuff. I think he does admirably well. There's some interesting finishes from the colorist even that we'll get into later. But like the layouts I are really nice as well. Love it. this book will get unfettered praise from me. I cannot be objective <laughs> about this because it's something that I read and reread and reread as just an example of like a bygone era. The only my opening remark about Scarlet is that this book made me want to make the female characters my protagonists. Hmm. Something okay. about a super competent woman just makes her superhuman. You know, she, she surpasses her male compatriots, uh, comrades, in so many aspects. This is before the kind of the Mary Sue arguments started being leveled at women that were just almost all-powerful. Scarlet was mm. just... And, and because she wasn't like other strong females of the era, the Ellen Ripley's or the Sarah Connors, who Sarah was a waitress, Ripley was a truck driver. This was a constant professional. She is a yeah. soldier. All of her mm. training, her abilities, it's all baked in. This isn't something she learned on the job or just kind of finessed later on in life. No, no, no. She is this finely honed machine. So she trained. became um, yeah. she became an avatar or a protagonist that I could use in my play that had earned all of this stuff. She was fully capable day one, like you know, well day one that I was introduced to her. So the, the second I had the toy in my hand, I was like, she can do all the stuff. She is able to be toe to toe with Snake Eyes basically on all those missions, and she's a female. Wow! And this is the issue that that play that gave her that place of pride for me. But and another interesting, well, interesting thing about the issue um, is it's also not written by Larry Harmer. 
Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant, who's probably most uh, best known for Not friends with Alan Grant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1985-1986 Punisher miniseries um, mm. with art by Mike Zeck. Oh, Very God. well written. Uh, it's it's, it's once series? again he the, the Punisher series. Yeah, I mean this is also very well written because it it kind of does take on that um, the archi archetype of the the one shot story. You know, it's one and done. It starts and finishes. It's a mission, um, and it's these are usually my absolute favorites. Yeah, it's a mystery and it's a mystery. Um, it's a double cross, a twist at the end, which maybe you've seen coming, maybe you didn't. Boy, oh boy, did I become the troll of our playtime because this issue <laughs> had had it played with my mind, man. Like all of a sudden it gave me the the idea to have good guy characters turn bad at the last second to just add another layer of challenge to the gameplay. And this was met with maybe indifference by you, Rob. Maybe you enjoyed it. Maybe it gave you a thrill. It certainly gave me a thrill because the whole time I'm controlling this good guy character that's going mm. to turn bad and I'm my heart is racing in every scene that I use him in but boy, oh boy God, third, we'll our, our third member of our game time Alistair the second that reveal happened assuming he didn't see it coming he put his toys down angrily and stormed off he was like fuck <laughs> you fuck you man this guy that I protected the whole mission is the assassin He's the coolest he was no, say it and so go ahead and give these people some air. This issue, I have to thank for that. So, spoilers <laughs> for an issue that is 40 years old. But the the diplomat who Scarlet and Clutch escort to the talks with the fictional Middle Eastern neighbor nation of Al Alawi, it's kind of a play on Malawi, um, is actually the assassin. So, the diplomat. Don't who's don't supposed to foster talks with this list. Persian Gulf nation. He is actually an employee of Cobra or a member of Cobra. And throughout all these trials and tribulations, trying to get him there. I mean, they're frogmen. There are men in Jeeps pursuing. And, and there's a bomb in the hotel room that he was staying in. Helicopters, mm. cars, Helicopters, gas. The Monopoly bomb. man. <laughs> <laughs> all the while of course snake eyes and stalker are on a kind of a world globe hopping mission of their own to try and get information on who the assassin might be and they eventually succeed but are they too late guys i could pick at the furniture for instance there's one point where scarlet notices that the plane they're in is not flying in the correct direction how does she know and that? And surmises that the pilot might be a traitor as well. <laughs> but what is this dial that gives it away? It's like a fuel <laughs> gauge. That's not a compass needle. Anyway, well, so I think I think I yeah, I thought the same thing. When I looked at the panel, I was like, oh, wait a minute. She realizes that the plane is out of fuel. And then I read the next panel. I'm like, oh, how do you yeah, how do you get that from that? Mm -hmm. That gauge. <laughs> Another thing that bugged me as a child, so they Stalker and Snake Eyes go to London, England, and wonderfully like stereotypical a, British man. <laughs> it looks like the head. This man lives at the the Tower Bridge, basically. Yeah. Because like, what the hell are we looking at? Anyways, the the most stereotypically Winston Churchill British man of oh, man. He, he loves his. Yes. What did he have for breakfast? <laughs> brashes, and chips. chips and brashes, which is not a thing. It's just not a thing. 
It's just sausages um, and chips. I mean, I, I, I guess that's what it is. The Rash. kids reading this one knows better. <laughs> Joe, the thing that bothered, bothered me, and I was always wondering about it, is he um, he tells Stalker he writes out for Stalker, and this is very clever. The room is bugged, so obviously it's an audio bug and, and not a video one. So he writes something mm. on a piece of paper, and then he writes address in Amsterdam, and then this kind of squiggles beneath it. Was the artist not prepared to write out a fictional address or the squiggles denoting something else? Like, why is this guy scribbling on this pad when he should be writing out the address for Stalker and Snake Eyes? That, that it, it probably is a stand in for the address, but it, Paul, it's cool I want you it has to, intrigue. yeah, yeah, it does absolutely. I want you to weigh in on the beautiful work done by the colorist yes i wanted to weigh in on that as well because i absolutely love the far backgrounds in a lot of these shots they are so stylized at, at various points fosberg's work is being finished in sort of deep background mm. by the colorist doing like that shot in particular stuff. thank you in that amsterdam panel. you've got this beautiful bit of architecture that's basically done in what would you call that color it's just like a like a magenta, you know, mm. some magenta marker or something. But I see, I love that because that is that just gives us that depth of field, a it, dithering. It fills, yeah, it fills in the space. It gives us a bit of atmospheric perspective. It does a lot of fun tricks, and I love that kind of thing because I, I you know, you're kind of vignetting um, the background, so to speak. So, I mean, I can't think of a better word to to use for that. But I love Last that. Week, I absolutely. Nice. Doing doing vertical establishing shots a lot of the time, like yeah. for basically every place that we go, or or vertical um, panels where there is action mm. that does take place. Um, very very cell phone friendly. Yeah, layouts are great. So Stalker, after their trip to Derek Sutherland's office in London, England, in Amsterdam, they are <laughs> they are at a brothel. I mean, the implication is there, even though they don't spell it out at all. Lola is in the top floor, room 13 of this establishment. You've got the sort of the, the mama character at the concierge. Stalker goes in and is immediately confronted by a hologram of Cobra the Commander. The ghost of Cobra Commander. Amazing. <laughs> they even made a figure of this for the comic pack. How cool. Um, it's translucent blue plastic if, you, if you're not aware or not familiar. Anyway, so Stalker gets the plan um, trotted out to them that Hassel is in fact the assassin. Uh, and I wouldn't be telling you this if there was any way you'd get out of the room, says, uh, or alive, says Cobra Commander. Goodbye, Stalker. It's so nice that Cobra Commander knows he's on like codename basis with Stalker. That's cool. I mean, this was probably the only dialogue Cobra Commander and Stalker have ever had. And I'm glad it exists. But um, something that jumped out at me on this reread is Stalker says, Cough, cough, as Snake Eyes pulls him out of the, the room after rescuing him. We'll worry about this dump later. So clearly, G.I. Joe is going to come back to this brothel in the, the, the near future and raid it, I suppose. That, mm. like, this is on the hit list now. This is a... a well, it's a known Cobra yeah, establishment. It's the same, like, with the, the arms dealer. Yes, they knew he was part of Cobra. Mm. Um and they probably would return at some point. And that's why Cobra Commander also was covering up his tracks by murdering that uh, British man. Oh, yes. Yeah, Sutherland gets electrocuted. Is this a scripting error? Um, when Cobra Commander 
I don't know, sends some kind of current through him, zaps him. He says, you put on a good show. Excellent. A pity we must sacrifice one of your resources. Shouldn't it read one of our resources, i.e. you, an arms dealer? Nah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I also I was a bit befuddled by that. Always bothered me. Like, wait, what are they trying to talk about? What are they trying to mention here? Um, <laughs> I there's one scene here that I absolutely love. So they're in the airplane, and Clutch has now taken over control of the airplane after they've uh, dispatched the pilot. <laughs> and this is like the moment where they basically tell you Scarlet is badass. Because mm. she knows she can't fly the plane and that Clutch can only mildly fly it better than her. And yeah. she's just so cool about the whole thing. She's just she's just cool. You know, like at the end of it, like when Clutch, when she's like, you know, you can open your eyes now. I'm like, that to me, that that was like the moment where it kind of went, yeah, Scarlet's badass. She just accepts her fate. <laughs> she's kind of like, you know, she's just cool. She's just like, it's just such a cool way of making a character strong. Hey, and look, it was very Clutch isn't wrong, making... dude. That is one hairy landing. If you look at the oh, way Fosberg totally. kind of handles terrain, it yeah. is beyond precarious. Mm. Of course. There's at also a, Lexus, a great the, the chase sequence along the, the mountainside, there's no guardrail. They are in like stratospheric Alps. Like they no, are they're on like, Pikes Peak. <laughs> they're right well, up again. They're playing yeah. chicken with two cars, no guardrail, and the most ridiculously precarious, like sheer God, drop off. Yeah, There's but, I mean, great... it's like it's basically Pike's Peak. Sorry, Rob. Yeah. No, no, no worries. We've we've moved on now. Um, but once again, the use of the the kind of vertical panel panels um, really mm. sets up the action really well. We kind of see the cars approaching. Um, There's just so much cool, like different types of action in this issue. It's really awesome. And also, because she's mm -hmm. the consummate professional, like we shouldn't ever sexualize her, but like Scarlet looks way hot. Let's just say. Yeah. I mean, that's almost a pornographic image of her, her thighs. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what she was wearing at the time. You know, yes, she was. And, and outside pornographic. She gets. Um, well, they she... dress up for the occasion. You know, they he was at the beach. So, yeah. Um, so she's just know, wearing a gown. Um, but I love the fact that she, they, they hang a lantern on the fact that she's going to be in her combat togs in the next sequence. So she says to Clutch, uh, excuse me while I change into my fighting clothes keep and you keep your eyes on the road. So yeah, she's going to get down to his scans. And it's cool that the, the, his expression suggests that he was going to look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really great expressions in the characters. In, in, in I'd the be disappointed if he... He's, yeah, I would you know, be disappointed if he didn't. He's like yeah. So what's good here, for the goose is good for the gander because when they exfiltrate from the plane or yeah, drive the car out of the crashed plane, Clutch is wearing his civvies, <laughs> right? Can we agree to that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then when we next see him, he's in his greens. So I guess he did some, some changing of his own while driving. Clutch is the man. Clutch yeah. is badass. He's rocking Pike's Peak there, and um... the interplay between them is amazing, and it's something that like quickly dies a death because Scarlet remains prominent and Clutch fades into obscurity, and I mourn mm. that because it is wonderful. Like you almost feel like if she's had a few to drink, maybe Clutch even stands a chance. This absolute <laughs> dog of a man. I love the idea, just even the hint that like his constant 
come-ons will yield results. It's cute. Well, I mean, obviously this was something picked up by Stephen Grant, but it wasn't something continued by Larry. As, as he mm, It had been established in Larry right. issues, like, like yeah, in it did, uh, but Wars it, of it, Death. It was something that he chose to continue, you know. Well, the toys dictated it. Scarlet mm. is the only female of the 80, class of 82, clutches a vehicle driver. You figure who he's going to play favorites with. Anyways, guys, I, as I say, can, cannot fault this issue, even though it has faults. It has such... Well, I think it's small problems. Esteem. I mean, the overall, it, it it comes together so well. You know, it has oh, a good setup. It has a this good... George Lazenby. Mm. <laughs> it's a good classic... choice of characters. It's a classic 1960s style to so much of Mike Fosberg's work. And even having Hassel... Like he's got a Luger, he's got he's got Megatron, dudes. Sorry, a Walther. <laughs> he's also got to lose an eye. Ah, what is it? Is it's it not, that eye? It's not a Luger. It's it's a Walther. Walther. P thirty eight. P Yeah. P thirty eight. It's a, a long nose version because they, yeah. You know. Oh, they did a snub, did they? Well, my dad had one, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> German gun. Cool. South African police force had uh, most of them. Most detectives were issued with a Walther. Was it um, was it stock that was was seized in North, uh, not North Africa, in um, Vintuk, in in uh, I ha- German I Southwest no I- Africa? I have Namibia. no idea. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, dude. My dad uh, did a lot of work in Namibia, so they finished. the German army back in the day. But uh, yeah, it was. It's a great gun until it jams. After three shots, oh, yeah, what a shame. it's not a. I believe it's, not, it it's a the, real upkeep piece. So I believe it has it's the good. unique um, property of not having to pull the slide back. That you you bring up the first bullet by pull actually the hammer. The, well, pulling the the trigger. Hmm. Yeah, won't that do it? I my dad when I was trained on that, and now you must remember I was about eight or nine years old around there just before i met david so i remember my dad told me to pull the slide anyway it was always like procedure and i think he told me that because it's procedure he never but he always told me like to be careful with this gun because it's dangerous so like i mean like with any gun no 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 with with any gun is dangerous don't get me wrong but he did say to me that the walters it can be a bit of a he said it a little bit can be a bit sensitive Ah, so maybe the, uh, something maybe around, along those lines. can load without you having to anyway. Tech- yes, Boys. because you can. Yeah, whatever. My maybe that was son, the case. My son has just woken up. I need to get onto daddy duties. It's been a wild ride. It's been a wonderful. Power's going out for me soon as well. Comic books. So let's rate this gorgeous piece of piece of uh, comic book history, G.I. Joe comic book history. Comic book history. <laughs> and get on with our lives. Thank you to all the folks that have joined us live. It's been, uh, once again, a, a very vibrant crowd. Lovely to see those numbers climb. I think at, at one point Absolutely. we had 35 people in the stream, which is... Yeah, oh, it was great to have wow. some peeps here. Me so love my age. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, what, what, what do you give this issue? What do you give this this masterpiece? What what's and all I give this four four and a half out of five. Um, the only thing that kind of irritated me a little bit Got about shot. this was <laughs> no, those never irritate me. Um, I just like 
I don't like arrows on panels on comic book panels. I feel like that's like kind of a fail on the on the layouts on the pencilless part. Like somebody didn't direct that properly. Mm. I know sometimes it happens. It just happens. It just takes a it takes a perfect away from this book for me. Otherwise, mm. I think that this is once again an amazing candidate to have been a movie. This could have been mm. such an entertaining movie. It didn't have to be called G.I. Joe, but you know what? If it was a G.I. Joe movie or an or an hour and a half long episode of a TV show called G.I. Joe, this would be fantastic to watch. It's got a lot of the stuff that makes um, James Bond from the 80s and uh, yeah, from the 80s really fun. Uh, even got a cameo about George Lazenby, which is quite great. <laughs> um, I love the characterization of Scarlet. It makes, you know, she's tough. In a bikini. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing, but I just love the way that they managed to make her tough without making her male, if that makes sense. And also love the little gags, like Clutch hiding in the sand. You go, oh, God, you know, a typical Clutch, you know, you buried yourself in the sand. But actually, there was a purpose behind him doing that. That was a great little moment in the in the comic book. Um, yeah, another reason extrapolate that backwards. Like, did he, before anyone arrived at the beach, lie down with his machine gun in his lap and then Scarlet buried him? Like, dude, I think he did it himself. It's, it's hilarious. But that's the kind of thing... Don't exactly. That's the, that's the kind of stuff that you would find in a Bond film from that same era. I kind of love the, the sort of synergy there. Um, the other reason I give it four... Oh, it's uh, the first use bucket. of your um, colorist sort of background fill-in because the French yes. Riviera has that lovely kind of mountainscape behind it. And yeah, it's yeah. just filled in with a block of green. Exactly. Uh, oh, I so also... there's another use of it. Um, the, the helicopters on the screen that Cobra Commander is looking at. Um, it's just a great way of adding texture without cluttering up the page with more ink, which could make yes. it messy. And, and But uh, the, only, the other reason I... And this is a purely subjective thing. Those divers is a really, really great example. And I kind oh. of have this issue as well with the, with, the, with the modern era. There's a lot of times where they don't need to talk, dude. They don't need to be mm. having this dialogue. They, they could have just had this shot. You know, um, and then they had foop, 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 uh, in, in there, like onomatopoeia. They didn't have to have them talking, like, oh no, we better jump in the blue now. Let's or get back if to the boat. Well, if you as a child, then I'm going to say you need to kind of holster that remark for the simple reason that, like, back in the 80s, thank goodness, everything was described. marketed for children. This is first and foremost for kids. The fact that it has immediate and enormous uh, re-readability by like a bunch of 40 and 50-year-olds is just a testimony to the quality of the writing. But at the end of the day, like, this is for this is a children. But this is a mistake. This is a mistake that the issues that we just read, the future issues, 180 too many, um, they made that same mistake as well. There was a lot of action there that had a lot of dialogue that didn't need to have dialogue. It would have been so much cooler had it been um had it been like just quiet um mm -hmm. that's just but five i mean out guys of five from me by the way yeah obviously ah. we know that yeah <laughs> yeah hey draws thank you so much my man uh appreciate it we uh we had one little glitch uh that we had to go and in fact the lawyers Thanks made a small the show mistake. And had some head injury <laughs> yeah just steve-o's <laughs> yeah steve's got a good to go run to his little dude is 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 gonna go out at any second now? Like, uh, okay. I, I I can't even tell you when it will go out. Um, so I will probably sign off. Paul, you're gonna uh, if if it does happen. I'll get the video ready. I'll get the video ready, guys. Thank you, 
thank you everybody for all the awesome stuff for all the support Absolutely. for checking out the for checking out this thank podcast uh, every second out. week yeah and um, just a small shout out to hans chow happy birthday my dude I hope it's been an Happy absolutely birthday, awesome dude. one. Um, yeah. Guys, tell him to watch the episode so he can get his personalized happy birthday wish from us. To all of our Patreons, thank and you so much for the support to keep the channel going. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I'm really glad that we get to read these books and talk about them because, yeah, uh, they are fun. And you've, you uh, like the, the modern stuff is something I normally wouldn't get into. And I'm glad that we're doing it. And on top of that, I hope that we gave everybody some food for thought on the repro debate. Uh, because oh, at yeah. the end of the day, Tell us what you think about the toys. issues, repros. Yeah, let us know in the comments uh, before I call it the chats because I'm used to Twitch at the moment as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, oh, there we go. There's Steve, and he's brought that little guy. Hey, <laughs> he's awake now. This is what the rest of my day looks like. Me and my boy. Hey, boy. Aww. It's bright. Hey. Yeah, it's very bright. Hey, Ellie. Cool guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna cool. sign off before my power destroys my laptop. Just yeah, and Joe Joburg. Yo, Joe cool. Burke. And I'm get. I do the outro. Outro. That one. Uh, the whole <laughs> second one. Bye. I'll do the. I'll do the bye. Well.